Hey, Mandarin family. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will get started in just a moment. As we begin, we want you to be aware of a couple things. First of all, be sure to check us out on our website at mandarinbaptist.org. When you are there, you can choose tabs, links to our social media, and other pages to see any events we have scheduled. You can see events like our service times, jam camp, student ministry, discover Mandarin, and more. Also, visit us on our social media pages. You can find us at facebook.com slash mandarinbaptistchurch. We would love for you to take your next steps with us here at Mandarin. And one of the best ways to do so is to engage with us online on our social media. And even join us for our services on campus and live streamed on Sundays. All the information you need will be found on our website. And if you desire any other information, feel free to email us. We are in our new series called Our Redemptive Family. Imagine the beauty of the gospel vibrant in every relationship within the church and as the core foundation and identity for Jesus's people. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel with all humility and gentleness as the defining attributes of a life within a redemptive family. As Jesus builds his people, others will look into the window of the faith family with a bit of awe as they experience patience, upholding one another in love and an eagerness to maintain a unity that is sparked by the Spirit and provides an abundance of peace. The church, with Jesus at its center, is a beautiful place and people. These truths are the anchors for the way that we think about our faith family and how we relate to one another. They also spark a sense of wonder as others venture into the middle of us. Throughout this series, let's explore how the gospel shapes and forms our redemptive family. We, sh- we should get, in, get together in communion now and, and just kind of unite around the cross of Jesus, unite around the goodness of Jesus and who he is. So if, if you happen to be here, it's going to be a few minutes before we actually take communion, but any time that I'm talking or we're going to sing one more song right before we partake. And so there's three different places where you can um, gather communion elements and we're, we're, um, we close typically every teaching series just sharing in communion and just kind of saying to the Lord, you're the central story. They're really, like we can sing this song, but we really want you to know that heart and soul, there's nothing better than you. And there's no one that stands over us than you, that, um, that Jesus is the head of his church, that Jesus is the King of glory, that he is our King of kings, that he's the Lord of lords, he is the great I am. He is our freedom and our hope, our promise, our present, our future, this is who he is. He is our forgiveness, he is our righteousness, he is our holiness, he is our adoption, he is our father, this is who he is. And so we, we just want to pause as the redemptive family and again remind ourselves that Jesus is kind and gracious and good And he is 
the I am. He is. He is the fullness of what makes up Mandarin. And so um, what I would love to do is just read a scripture to you out of 1 John, the first chapter, verses 3 and 5, share a historical reality of what it means to be a redemptive church. For those of you that are guests, we've spent um, the last eight weeks exegeting, if you will, the fourth chapter of the letter to the church at Ephesus. And we have really talked about the body of Christ in relationship not just to the, the fruits of the Spirit of God, which are living individually inside of us, but what is the fruit of the body of Christ, the nurturing, forgiving, freeing, loving, encouraging. We just outlined the bearing up with one another. This is the body of Christ. This is who Jesus is. And so there's a summary statement, if you will, in 1 John that John says to the church that I think is just fantastic as maybe a concluding remark about the truth that we are praying for, that God would make himself manifest among us and that people would walk out, whether they're walking away from us in the streets as we make our way through today, or we walk out of this room, they would really literally walk away going, I think that they actually believe there's nothing better than Jesus. And that maybe they actually believe that the grave that they once walked in has been turned into a garden for the fullness of the Spirit of God to be made manifest and real. So listen to the uh, interesting things that John says to the church in 1 John again. Um, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. It says, we declare to you what we have seen and heard. And I just would pause at a few moments and saying this, this walk with Jesus is an experiential walk where we do see and hear from him. It says that his children hear his voice. And so we're, we're hearing from him in ongoing places. And this is what we're declaring so that you may also have fellowship with us. And I just paused and I found that sentence to be a, a phenomenal sentence. So what John seems to be saying to the people that, of, that make up the body of Christ and what we're actually getting to say to the community around us is the outcome goal of you being near us is you get to hang out with us. Isn't that a little funny, possibly narcissistic, yet not at all? What I think, what I, don't think, what I think, what I know John is saying here is that as you are brought near to Jesus, you will see him, his life among us. You will sit in the midst of a redemptive family. And much as we talked about the entirety of last weekend, you will be drawn toward us. And the great joy that Jesus may provide for you is his His rescue and redemption immediately followed by stepping into a community of us. This is, this is beautiful and the power of the redemptive family of God. Again, as you heard last week, his plan A. And indeed our fellowship, this fellowship that we have is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, by the way, said, as I was reading last night in the Gospels, it will be great for you when I leave because the Spirit of God will come as well. So let's just kind of add the beautiful Trinity here that our fellowship is given to others because our fellowship is centered in the Father, Son, and the Spirit and the message we have heard from him and declare to you is this, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. So welcome to church. Welcome to the reality of redemptive family. And, and one of the things that I hope has been near to us is the truth that there, there is nothing new under the sun. And so what I would like to share is just a historical account 
Um, one of my favorite authors, I read this book years ago, is a guy named John Eldridge. And John just wrote of a historical account of the reality of the church of Jesus Christ. And perhaps there are a few things that we should take away from this account. And so um, in closing Redemptive Family and in, in closing with sharing a community together, I'd just like to tell you about St. Columba. He was a guy that kind of started moving for the sake of the kingdom of Jesus around 564 A.D. St. Columba is this, so there's a few things that I think are really fun in here. So you should kind of sit on edge and maybe jot down some notes and plan some things that you're going to have with your friends. Because um, St. Columba was, um, was living in Ireland, and he, this is really what he said to the Lord. I really sense that you're longing to do something in my time and day, and so I will go anywhere that you desire. And so what he basically did in putting action to that, as opposed to a nice Sunday morning sermon where we go, amen, thank you, pastor. We want to do that as well. We actually built a boat, raised the sails, and said, take me wherever you want to use me. So there's liberty in that right now. I'm not suggesting the only pathway for the Lord in your life is to have you build a boat and set sail, but I can suggest that you can spiritually raise your sails and allow the wind of the Spirit of God to develop a redemptive reality of your soul and say to the Lord, wherever I walk, you walk with me, for in that there will be lightness walking throughout this earth, for there is no darkness in you. So Lord, come and be light and allow him to fill the cell of your life for the sake of his glory. And so um, St. Columba really just kind of walked this out. And interestingly enough, he had 12 friends who went with him. And so they were followers of his, if you will. And this would be a biblical model. If you're going to follow me, you'll ultimately follow Jesus. So follow my steps and I'll lead you toward Christ. And so um, this, this is really what they said is we want to go wherever we go for the sake of the gospel. They were fellow followers of Jesus. They were friends, but this is the fun part. And, and I, in the first service, I said, you should really get together with a few of your friends who are chasing hard after Jesus with one another. And I am assuming in this room, the majority of us have a lot of friends that are around us that are saying to one another, we want to chase Jesus. We want to pursue Jesus. We want to be a redemptive community. And so I wonder what you will title yourselves. And then I realized they didn't get to title themselves, but St. Columba and the Twelve became known not by what they titled themselves in their conversation, but their actions as they went about. And I think this is an incredibly cool name, so pray this for your group as well. They became warrior monks. So it, what I would love for you to just kind of rest in right now is, so Lord, as I raise myself, and I just say to you, as the gospel is moving and your redemptive work is moving within me, God, what will you do among my friends? What will you do within the culture of this church where people are going to take notice and begin to speak of your goodness and your kindness? And maybe, just maybe, we'll have a moniker that says even maybe, maybe a little bit as awesome as warrior monks. I, I want to make a t-shirt. So as they raised the sails, this, this, he's from Ireland, so remember this, and they sailed and they landed on an island just off Scotland. Not, not a grand journey, but an incredible journey that was forthcoming because um, as, they, as they moved into Scotland, at that time, Scotland was a dark, pagan, and vicious place. And so I'll, I'll share with you just a little details about that in a moment. And they, they birthed in that moment what began to be called a little heavenly community. What we're praying is our redemptive family. 
just this place where Jesus was made known. Um, it was called Iona, and it became the center point for a new and vibrant expression of Jesus in his life among us. And so to understand the potential of redemptive family, you have to know the context of this history. So I would love to just share with you a few of the details. First, the world around them, as I've already said, became really, really dark. Night had fallen. Rome had collapsed. So um, it would be a great idea to maybe even center right now where you have put your confidence. So Rome had collapsed. The uncollapsed had collapsed. And yet they're raising their cells and saying, we are venturing for the gospel and creating and forging a heavenly place. So Rome has collapsed. Um, the Vandals, the Goths, the Visigoths, along with other predatory gangs, gangs have swept across England and Northern Europe, and they're creating havoc in this time and sphere. Listen, listen, this is just, well, I think hopefully it intrigues you. This intrigued me. Western Europe was in a con constant state of riots in the streets. Paganism was abounding. People were doing as they saw fit. This is literally written in historical documents. Law and order ceased, and it was a barbarous time. And I would just, this was my moment where I noted this. Um, Solomon said it well. There is nothing new under the sun. We're walking around. Again, I've said this several times through this. We've never seen this before. I don't know, 564, the birth of the church, several other times in history. It's just when the body of Christ cast all their lot with Jesus and we quit singing about it and it becomes our heart. It becomes the soul of who we are. We become a redemptive community who casts our way with the way of Jesus. And we move with him and live with him and have our being. The church in the meantime, so that's the culture. And the church in the meantime was increasingly institutionalized, hierarchical, and far more than an organization than a movement. It's really quiet in the room. The redemptive family that God formed had become a centralized bureaucratic group where rules and laws carried the day as opposed to the movement of Jesus among them. There is nothing new under the sun. This is a world much like today. Interestingly, this is also the very context of the early church as they stepped into a prioritized, powerful, hierarchical structure and said, Lord, we're lifting ourselves and we wonder what you want to do and how will you move among us? And as the redemptive family, that became the priority of who they were and people were attracted to this, drawn to this, rescued into this, drawn to the story of Christ and the church grew at a thousands at a time and on a daily basis and it was beautiful. And so I was just really um, reading more about this. And uh, Iona and its warrior monks, this is another thing that I think is important. There's so many nuggets in this story that I think the church should lift out and say, okay, Lord, what, what are we called by our actions? Okay, Lord, have we lifted ourselves so that your wind is filling our spirit? Okay, Lord, we can kind of drop the idea that we're in this new unprecedented time and rest in your sovereignty in the middle of where we are. 
And then here's the interesting part. Iona and its warrior monks began to carry the light into the darkness. Columba won to Christ, the king of northern Scotland. They're pagan warriors. If you're a Braveheart fan, it's the dudes with the blue faces. I love this. This, they won the king to the Lord, and then it carries on to say, this king went on to share this gospel with many others, seeing many come to Christ as a result. And here's what I, I think you should hear from this, is that it's not that it's, we, they didn't sit around and say, we have this heavenly island, and we want you to come there. They went out as warrior monks living the gospel in the most difficult places for the glory of the cross. And absolutely, we want you to experience heavenly community. We are bringing it with us. This is is all substantial nuggets for you to just pray over. And so the king shared the gospel. Iona, the little island of heavenly beauty, became the staging point, I love this word, for missionary raids across England and deep into Europe. Don't you love that picture? There's no violence going on here. We're just going to carry Jesus. We're going to come and wash your feet. (laughs) Cleaner than they've ever been before. We're going to come and lay down our lives for you. We're going to come and serve you. We're going to come and be the people of Jesus. We're going to come and encourage you and speak life to you and be nurturing to you and be benevolent toward you and we are going to be just these people because this is who we are. We're carrying the truth of the gospel of Jesus with us. And so when we walk in, here walks in Jesus. Historian Thomas Cahill said, Iona forever changed the course of the Western church. Oh, Do we ever need a course change again, Lord? They believed fully that the glory of God was man fully alive, redeemed by the truth of the glory of Christ. John Eldridge was writing, he went and visited Iona and just stood among the ruins. And he said, "This this is really a way of life. This wasn't for this group a nice Bible study where they applied some principles to their life in a benign manner. They didn't walk through an eight or nine week series and go, all right, what's next? They are looking at this and saying, how does this become a conviction of our core? How does this Lord lead us into a gospel-centered, Christ-exalting community who live, move, and have their being for Jesus' sake? That's really the prayer that we have as we've walked through this series. They long for restoration that Christ promised, and they said, Lord, move within us. They believed with heart and soul They believed with all that they were that the Christian venture was an epic for the sake of the cross of Christ. The writer paused, John Eldridge paused, as he stood before an ancient Celtic cross and felt the whisper of the Lord. And this is what he said was written at the base of the cross. And I would love for this to be scripted in the heart of Mandarin. I will do this again. I will do this again. This is my way, says Jesus. A nurturing, redemptive, gospel-centered community is my way. I mean, Jesus is doing that as he stirs our hearts, right? 
He's just, he's moving some things within our faith family that's beautiful. But I, I, I just, I want you to know that I don't read this and then pause and go, Lord, do this in the future. Jesus is doing this right now. Like there are sweeping movements of God in Latin America right now. A group of people who have opened their hearts and said, yes, Jesus. We're lifting ourselves, Lord. We're not sitting around waiting for somebody to come to us. We're moving. We're warrior monks. It's on. Across the nations that make up Africa, there are movements of God that are glorious. The fastest growing church in the world right now is Iraq. The Lord is doing it again across our brothers and sisters in China. Like we're, we're not sitting around going, okay, do it again. No, he's going, I am, raise your cell. I am moving. You want in? Raise your cell. I am living and breathing in this world, and I would long for greater Jacksonville, where the streets are rioting, where there's lawlessness in the streets, where you have put your faith in something other than Jesus. I would love to breathe my life into that city. Will you put up your cell, church? And allow me to breathe into this, the goodness of who I am. So we gather at communion. We gather at communion not because it's a tradition at the end of a series. We gather at communion because we will not be able to do this apart from Jesus. We gather remembering that we boast only in the cross of Jesus. For in that cross we die to the world and the world dies to us. We we gather at the cross to say, Father, where are we? We reach back and feel the splinters of the cross and say, we stay near to this. We die to self to come alive to you, Lord. We gather at the cross to say, Lord, we lift ourselves because we've tried this and it doesn't work, but maybe we should let you lead us. And so we gather in communion now, spiritually saying, Lord, I love you for who you are, and I submit myself to you. So for those of us in this room, communion is, um, is a moment that is for the believers or followers of Jesus. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you have made him Lord, you are welcome at this table. And we are gathering here as the body in a, in a state of prayer. And so before we just kind of move forward with this, we want to just pause and I would like to speak Isaiah over you, a prophecy about the Lord 1,500 years before the Lord walked this earth and why we can't walk into communion in a casual manner, but we pause and rest in the spirit of Christ. Here's, here's why we gather as a redemptive family to say, Lord, would you grow among us? Because we declare to you what we've seen and heard so that you could have fellowship with us. And if we're going to fellowship right now, we want this fellowship to also invite in the Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we are resting in that. This is the message that we have heard, and we declare this to you. God is light, 
And Lord, we want to commune with you and there be no darkness. And here's what Isaiah says that we are sharing in. That by his body, he has borne our sin. He has carried our pain. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. We're healed by his wounds. So what binds you today? What's holding you today? What is broken today? The scripture tells me that the Lord has mended, that he has bathed us, that he holds all things together, including us. So I invite you in a spirit of prayer and communion together to be free. See, Isaiah also says, you and I are washed white as snow. We are forgiven and free. We are made whole. Behold, our Savior is making all things new. Thanks again for diving in with us today. The Word of God is not just something to engage in for this short period of time, but these messages of truth are meant for life-altering convictions. Scripture is something that defines us and redirects us. Together, we are letting God's Word have free reign in our hearts, our lives, our families, and here at Mandarin. Will you join us in letting God shape us? He is speaking. He is moving. He is working in each of us to form us into the image of His Son, Jesus. As you go, we hope that you will take some time to visit our website at mandarinbaptist.org. Like and follow us on facebook.com slash mandarinbaptistchurch. You can stay up to date with us on all that is going on, as well as join us for our services online. We love you, church, and we hope that you will join us again soon.